When I was an army chaplain, my soldiers asked me all kinds of questions about God, life, relationships, the Bible, and they answered them as best I could. They also called me Padre. Welcome to the Dear Padre podcast, where I take what's happening today and try to connect it with the scriptures. Today, uh, we are praying for a little girl who is in surgery. Uh, While I was talking and reading scripture, the surgery was happening, so it's mentioned here in the broadcast. And the result is that it went well and she's back and eating chicken nuggets. So that's good news and thank God for her safe surgery and we continue to pray for her recovery this time. Thanks for joining. Today as we pray for this little one who is in surgery, we um, recall this event from many thousands of years ago of a massive surgery um, where about 600,000 men are circumcised by Joshua, it says. I don't know if um, that's kind of like saying the pharaohs built the pyramids. Um, (laughs) They didn't build every brick. And I'm not sure Joshua did all these surgeries. But it says um, Joshua made the flint knives. So either he ordered them to be made and surgery, or he did that himself. It is hard to tell. But this um, preparation for entering the land of Canaan is a very important moment for the people of God. They have crossed through the river Jordan, and now they wait on the edge of great expectation. This land that has been promised to them, this land that was given to Abraham, this land that they lost through famine and hardship and went down to Egypt where they were enslaved and then delivered. While they're in the wilderness for 40 years, we know that all the people that came out of Egypt that were over 20 years old could not go into the promised land. They had to wander in the desert for 40 years and wait, eating the manna from the ground, being provided for by God really well, but not being able to enter the promised land. And now that Moses has died, the people are ready to go into the promised land. And they're getting ready to go. And this final act of preparation, they hadn't been doing this in the desert. They hadn't been practicing ritual circumcision of every child. Um, Not sure all the reasons why. Um, There is an encounter with Moses and God where God threatens to kill Moses if he doesn't circumcise his child. Um, And yet, these others have not been circumcised. This is the mark of the covenant, the sign of the covenant. This is how uh, the people of God say that it is through um, our uh, progeny, through our reproduction, through our seed is the literal word in Genesis, that all the nations of the world will be blessed. So the sign of the covenant is related to this way of blessing the world through, um, through sexual reproduction, um, certainly, but also through the worship of the true and living God. So this very intimate surgery um, is um, part of this preparation to go into the land. Uh, flint lot knives are used um, as they are the sharpest thing, sharper than any metal. Um, And so this moment of preparation, as they get ready to go, there's another event that happens, this moment of preparation. Um, 
The other event is that the manna stops falling from the sky, or coming up as dew from the morning. The manna, this bread from heaven, the food of angels that they have eaten, is no longer there because now they're eating the food from the land that that belongs to them. They're eating the unleavened cakes and parched grain and other produce from the land. This is what they longed for in the desert. When they were in the desert eating that same food every day, they longed for this the food of Egypt. But now they have the food of promise. So there's this great... Um, great moment of transition of their diet. Um, I don't know if you've ever uh, transitioned in your diet to eat something you've always longed for um, after fasting or not being able to eat something, uh, maybe related to a medical reason or a medical procedure that you had to do and not eat or drink or something like that. It's amazing that first taste of something after that. And that's what they're experiencing. They're getting ready to go and land. And then a guy shows up. And he's holding a drawn sword in his hand. This is to Joshua personally. And this man identifies himself not as an adversary, um, nor as an ally to Joshua, but as the commander of the army of the Lord, the Lord of hosts. When we sing in the Eucharistic prayers, the holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, heaven er Lord God of hosts, heaven and earth are full of your glory, um, the tune escapes me right now. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might. Um, Lord God of hosts. Whenever you hear the word Lord God of hosts, hosts, it's not referring to the bread, the host that we sometimes call the communion bread. It's referring to an army, the commander of armies. The host is another word or way of saying army in the Bible. So this commander of the hosts um, comes to them commander of the armies of the Lord. And Joshua worships him and takes off his shoes, his sandals, because the place that he is standing on is holy. And it is this encounter that gives him courage and strength. It is in his, um, it is in his divesting of his sandals, his taking off of this vulnerability to the hard ground that he encounters the living God, just as Moses did at the burning bush. Now Joshua has his moment. We need these moments in life when we go into new things, when we go into uncertainty. We need to know that God's going to be with us, that God's going to back us up. We need to know that we're gonna, that he's going to be there for us. And Joshua knows this. He knows that God is going to be there no matter what they face. And we know that too. The God who feeds us, the God who prepares us, the God who gives us what we need, our daily bread, will be there even in the times of trial, even in the time of hardship, even in the time of uncertainty, even in the time where we fear and are afraid, as Joshua was before this battle. Um, God will be there for you. So take off your shoes. You're on holy ground, wherever you are, whether it's a hospital whether it's your home, whether it's a workplace, you're on holy ground with God. God is with you. He's prepared you. He's fed you. And now you're ready to march into the uncertainty of life, into the changes and chances, into the blessing that ultimately God has for all of us. Amen.
Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. For the righteous Gentiles today, um, the righteous Gentiles are commemorated on this day. Um, For Christians during the Second World War um, and other persons of faith who made valiant sacrifices, often at the risk of their own lives, to save Jewish people from the Holocaust, from the Nazi Holocaust. These righteous Gentiles are honored for courageous actions in the face of Hitler's reign of terror. Um, Some of them, notably Raoul Wallenberg, a Lutheran, who was a Swedish humanitarian and diplomat who used his great resources to save thousands of Hungarian Jews during the Nazi occupation. He issued them Swedish passports so they could escape and housed many in Swedish government property in Budapest and thereby protecting them on the basis of his diplomatic immunity. Remember him. Hiram Bingham IV, an Episcopalian, was an American diplomat in France during the early years of the Nazi occupation. He violated State Department protocol by arranging escape routes for persecuted Jews. Remember that the American government, um, for a long time, was very neutral and even sometimes sympathetic to the Nazis. Um, in allowing them to do horrible things um, and not doing anything about it. So he violated his own rules of of our State Department to arrange for their escape and provided a safe haven in his own home. He was transferred to Argentina, and he devoted himself there to tracking down the movements of the Nazi war criminals as they fled to Argentina. Karl Lutz, an evangelical, was a Swiss diplomat in Budapest who also saved many Hungarian Jewish people, and was deeply involved in this endeavor. He's mostly remembered for negotiating with the Nazis for safe passage from Hungary to Palestine uh, for 10,000, more than 10,000 Jewish people. Um, Chiyun Suigira, an Orthodox Christian, while serving as a Japanese consul in Lithuania, rescued thousands of Jewish people by providing them with travel credentials so they could escape He violated official diplomatic policy um, and was removed from his country's foreign service. He lived the rest of his life in public disgrace from his nation, but in honor from the people he saved. Andre and Magda Trocme were reformed Christians, were French Christians who saved the lives of several thousand Jewish people in France during the Nazi occupation. He was a pastor in La Chambron and Together with people from the neighboring communities, he created safe havens for many refugees from Nazi terror. Um, Although these valiant efforts were done by people at great risk themselves for these people that were um, at huge risk uh, for violence, um, they say these that we mentioned today saved more than 23,000 people um, and are honored at Yad Vashem in in, uh, Israel at the Holocaust Memorial that overlooks Jerusalem. They are remembered there as the righteous among the nations, and the word nation and Gentile are similar in Hebrew, or the same word, same concept in Hebrew. So the righteous Gentiles, remembering that 
when someone is oppressed, when someone is hurting, when someone is attacked, um, Christians step in and we defend them, even if we don't share um, their beliefs or we don't share all the same beliefs that they do. Um, We defend the needy. We defend the poor. We defend those that are helpless. We care for refugees. We care for people when they are in need and vulnerable. And these examples show how we ought to live every moment. Lord of the Exodus, who delivers your people with a strong hand and a mighty arm, strengthen your church with the examples of the righteous Gentiles of World War II to defy oppression for the rescue of the innocent. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. As St. Augustine and Paul Tillich and Dr. Martin Luther King all said, um, quoting each other, quoting Augustine originally, it's always okay to break a a lesser law to keep a higher law. Um, And that is why um, they did what they did to break the laws that they were living under to keep a higher law to preserve life. We thank God for them. Pray a colic for Friday. Almighty God, whose most dear son went not up to joy, but first he suffered pain and entered not into glory before he was crucified. Mercifully grant that we, walking in the way of the cross, may find it none other than the way of life and peace. Through Jesus Christ, your son, our Lord. Amen. And on 101, Lord Jesus Christ, you stretched out your arms of love on the hard wood of the cross, that everyone might come within the reach of your saving embrace. So clothe us in your spirit that we, reaching forth our hands in love, may bring those who do not know you to the knowledge and love of you for the honor of your name. Amen.